Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Tuesday pre-market prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Elkanen, Dennis Dick. I hope wherever you are, you are warm and uh, you have power and you're doing okay. I am the only person in the Benzinga office right now. Everyone else is afraid of snow, I guess, is the only the only conclusion there. They are afraid of a little bit of snow, but the show must go on. It cannot stop me. It cannot stop pre-market prep. Let's go on today's show bitcoin keeps on going actually the whole market keeps on going we're going to talk the uh market's reaction to the weekend weather uh rallies in natural gas rallies in crude uh we've got more crypto stocks on our radar i want to talk amc i want to talk palantir so a lot to get to on today's show our guest is bill hartz he is a market structure expert he's the former ceo of modern markets initiative he'll be on 835 uh to We'll talk more about market structure with him. Don't forget to hit that like button, hit subscribe, hit share, wherever you're watching this show. Thank you very much. Joel, how was your nice, long President's Day weekend? Uh, nice and nice and snowy, but uh, here we are. We're back at the markets. S&P futures, just a little dip on Sunday night, not even a dip. Uh, 34.75, we've been highs 59 and a quarter. Been hanging out at 39.50 for a long time, so we'll see if uh, we can get up to that pre-market high. Those those uh, charts. Should, I thought I did share the charts. Well, yeah, you got Palantir up there. Oh, okay. Don't we want to talk about Palantir? Eventually. All right. And then you have crude. That got over $60. Uh, the cold is definitely influencing that. You got up to 60.33, back under 60. So see if we can get that magical close over 60. Uh, gold and silver, they're going opposite ways. Gold's down 1840 at 1804.80, while silver's going up. That's up 2.7 cents. At uh, twenty-seven thirty-five, and uh, Bitcoin uh, over fifty k. Uh, long weekend it jumped above and below that. Uh, right now, the futures are up two thousand dollars and two thousand fifty-five at fifty thousand oh ninety-five. And Spencer, since you're the only one in the office today, I will buy lunch for the office. Okay, treats I, on me. I appreciate that. Thank you, Joel. Can, can you get something out of the cafeteria? <laughs> what are they? What are they doing with that cafeteria? Is At least closed? ask me about that. Is it closed that. too? No, it, no, it's been open, uh, but it, it's it's got limited operations. You can only go during certain times and order certain things, but it's open. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I will pa- but I will pass the message to everyone else here, uh, my, my, my friends behind me. 
that you're going to be buying lunch for us today. I, we appreciate Watch that. everyone show up now. <laughs> like everyone's I'm coming. I'm driving down to go there right now, Joel. Except, except I don't know if they'll let me across the border. Probably not. Exactly. Borders are still closed, eh? Essential. This is essential, though. I need to get the lunch from Joel. He owes me like 25 lunches. So I, I think have it's to collect I think sometime. It, I think it's 26. Is it 26 you owe me now? There's a lot of lunches Joel owes me, anyways. What do you All think? Right. What do you think? I mean, okay, first of all, shocking that we're up substantially after a long weekend. That's sarcasm, in case you didn't realize. Hashtag, um, hashtag sarcasm. Bitcoin. The 50,000 hat. I mean, we hit it. 50,000. So now what? What do we do now? I'm still long Bitcoin. I don't know what to do with it. Uh, you st- you're going to stick to your original plan. and you're Zero not gonna or <laughs> what was the target? 500,000, which was... Uh, the the twins the the twins uh, the the winkle vi wink, yeah the wink with the winkles the the wink the winkle twins the winkle boss twins yes <laughs> so that's what we're going with we're going with the winkle boss twins at five hundred thousand or zero so I'm gonna stick with that that's what I'm doing because I sold half so again playing with that was his money just gonna stick with it. You tell me what to do. That's what I've been doing, Dennis. I, I, You're I, long, too. I didn't realize that. Well, I went into Coinbase. I, I actually made a Coinbase account. Like, oh, so you're actually holding the actual Bitcoin. Yeah. That's smart. Yeah. Don't forget your 12-word password, though. See, I'd forget that, and Joel would, too. That's why yeah. we got to own it. Actually, Joel did good, though, when he was in there. He didn't forget his words, either. You just said you were going to buy it and forget about it. Yeah. That's what I know, said. but it keeps going up, and you just can't seem to forget about it. I, 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 I see no reason to sell. You know, the institutions are coming in now. The big banks are – even J.P. Morgan is coming yeah. out saying we're going to have yeah. to work with Bitcoin in some way. We're going to have to offer it in some way. Yeah. I, I see no reason. I don't know. It, you know, it, it could go back to 20 for all we know, but, you know. It could go anywhere. It but... could go anywhere, but I, but I see no reason uh... – I, I mean, for me, like, I've got such a small piece, I see no reason to, to do anything with it. And, and me, too. I mean, it's a small piece. Yeah. I said it was going to be, you know, you think about story stocks and how much this market is about a story. I mean, I've said it last year. I was like, what better story? This is why I bought Bitcoin. Like, what better story than Bitcoin for 2021? You know, am I buying it on fundamentals? No. I'm buying it because it's a story. And that story continues to remain hot. And I think the story gets hotter in 2021. I think it continues to remain hot and gets hotter. And that's why if it stays hot, the story, it probably continues to go higher. So that's my whole thesis is not fundamentals, not that we're going to all be transacting in Bitcoin and buying everything. I just think it's a story. Yeah, out of the dollar. I mean, you know, just about out of the dollar, didn't it? Into everything. I, out of the dollar into everything else is basically. There's, there's a good point there too. I mean, this has just been the worst place to be. Is the dollar? You're seeing the rise, you know, in everything. If you're sitting in cash, you are just hurting because obviously it was a great move in February, but you know, I took a while to get back out of cash because I had raised so much cash, worried about the pandemic, and there's a lot of people that stayed worried about it for too long. And they're being punished, you know. We got inflation coming. We got it's not inflation of stuff you buy. It's at least the inflation of assets. Everything going up, like the sports yeah. cards. I don't know if you guys are into sports cards, but those are just blasting off too. I mean, collectibles, artwork. It's everything, you know. That we saw a dinosaur bones sell for twenty-eight million dollars. It's literally everything is just moving up. And what about here. coins? Probably, you know, collectible coins. Yeah. 
probably. I'm, I'm not even sure. Anything collectible market, though. So if anybody does collectibles on coins, let us know. Coin collectors in the chat right now. He must know. But but also, oh, just, yeah, just, because, just because assets are going up doesn't mean that they can't go up for a long time. Oh, for sure. Right? So just because it seems they seem more expensive now than they were 12 months ago doesn't mean they can't keep going up for two, three, four, five oh, more years. You, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. It, it, how it just, do you call the top? Right, right. I mean, that's I, what I it all know. comes back to with everything is, you know, even in the market. I mean, one thing, though, is we have a separation here, and we've got to talk about that. We've been talking about it. But the mega caps are mm. being left out here. Yep. And that might continue. People are looking for the quick buck. You know, we've talked about the consumer staples. It started with the consumer staples. With Coke selling off and Procter Gamble selling off, you know, look at Procter Gamble. Clorox is selling off now. I mean, it's it's moved. It moved. It started with the consumer staples, really, um, and now they're just selling, you know, other you know assets like mega caps that aren't participating to buy smaller cap names that are outperforming the market by a substantial margin. I mean, again, we look at Amazon, the great quarter. The stock cannot go anywhere. Apple is not participating here. We've had a nice rally in the market here for the last couple of weeks. Really, Apple has gone nowhere. So Facebook, it's kind of the same story. It's just hanging out. Now, Twitter, smaller name, has exploded with their earnings. So it is selective. But if you're looking at the big, like the three, four, five hundred billion dollar company, I guess you got to go even bigger than that now. But, you know, you're getting over five hundred billion. A lot of those companies are not participating in this rally. So what does that mean overall? I, I, I don't know. Because it's, it's been driven so much by mega caps. The last 10 years have been driven by mega caps. And this is being driven by small cap. Which may not be a bad thing, right? Catch up trade? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, all those years where the big caps were outperforming, and now, and you know when things turn, they turn. So They do. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just like, I'm looking at, uh, you know, the, the top 10 components, top 11 components of the S&P, and... Um, boy oh boy it's going to take a while to get those big boys out of there but you just you know you want to you know obviously they're different indexes but as well, long go to as the top five go to the top five right now just it's a good exercise yeah apple, so so obviously nowhere. apple nowhere amazon nowhere keep going uh my actually uh mr softy's number two that's been oh look at that it's holding up but really put it in perspective i mean you're seeing okay. these huge moves and it had a great report, and really since that report, it's really gone nowhere too. It is at all-time highs; it's holding up, but it isn't like people are flying into Microsoft every morning. The market's up, and Microsoft's up three, four dollars. That's not happening. Microsoft's not up again today. I mean, it's uh, it's up 027 percent. Definitely underperforming. You know what's interesting is that this is where this area is what it hit in the uh, after hours when it reported earnings. That that's really where I remember it got to two forty four, two forty five, and just think how much the market has uh, rallied since then. Uh, Amazon, I mean, great report. I mean, yeah. that, that they look at that same kind of chart. They yes. just sold it. Uh, I think Google Google a little bit different. I think Google busted uh, broke out right. I mean, it's had to, ooh, that's a holding pattern if I've ever seen one. That's yeah, from Google. not participating now. Like, nope. it looks like a cup and handle. It looks like it's ready to go. But because it's mega cap, it's like, I don't know, mega cap is just not going. I think if, like, 
if people start to you know get burned in some of these small cap names eventually, maybe some of it moves back in there. I'm not sure. I mean, my portfolio. I mean, most majority of people's portfolios are full of mega cap. If you own spy, you're full of yeah. mega cap. You're full of mega cap. You know, if you own any ETF for the most part, you're full of mega cap. You know, and I own some of these directly too. I own it Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Apple, all directly, as well. I've owned them for years, and they've all been great. But they are not the stocks that are helping your portfolio right now it's the small cap names like you were saying last week great point spencer you know i ran a scan too for stocks under a dollar and there was four so you know <laughs> like you were saying two maybe a couple fell back under but four stocks listed now again you know exchanges have requirements so you know it's not like there's a bazillion stocks under a dollar when they fall under a lot of them do delist them and send them to the pinks but still there's usually quite a few names that are still under a dollar four stocks i mean they've just went through every stock like even when i was running the filters before and looking you know and and, and running the scans that you're 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 tough like to find stocks a smaller cap name that hasn't gone up substantially so it's been just combing through the ditches and they're buying everything that's small cap i mean it's hard every day you wake up and by the time it gets to 8 a.m 9 a.m there's another stock that's that's doubled right for the day like today it's WBAI, which I guess is off the highs or so, but it, it, like, there is a new crypto stock every day. That's that a just, crypto play, another one? Yeah, yeah. They uh, bought um, they bought a, um, uh, I guess the company is BTC.com and the related businesses, um, and, and they're paying in, in stock, in their own stock for it. But wow. yeah, and that's one of like four or five new crypto stocks that's just up, up huge this morning. It, it's, yeah. hard to, yeah. it's hard. It's hard. You want to do crypto stocks or do you want yeah, to? Yeah, I mean, let's go. Mara, I mean, yeah, the Mara's up again. You're up another four bucks. And obviously, you know, guess last week saying same thing um, that, you know, this is a leverage play on crypto. Absolutely correct. Crypto keeps going up. Mara probably keeps going up right along with it. Riot, blockchain, same thing. These are two of the big names. And then the other one, which you were saying, MSTR, you said they're doing an offering today? That's correct. So they, this is they just announced a, world. a $600 million offering of convertible senior notes. So not a stock offering. Um, also, okay. uh, did you catch the news from Thursday? Uh, no. Canada, Dennis, uh, your people beat us. <laughs> My people. <laughs> yeah, your, your people beat us to a, a Bitcoin ETF. What, what do we got? What, you, what is you, you approved, Canadians approved uh, the first Bitcoin ETF. It is coming to the market in oh, Canada. Wow, I should go buy some of that too, maybe. Well, it's not not open yet, but yeah, when it does open, it it yeah, you're gonna have the first one. Look at that. Well, Bitcoin ETF is coming. I mean, as it gets more adoption here, it's coming. So you know, they they didn't want to approve it because it's hard to regulate. It's hard to regulate the crypto market. That we know there's a lot of market manipulation in there. But at the same time, you're getting real players. Like you were saying, Spencer, you're getting real players coming into here. Yep. Yeah, there's participation here. I mean, I look at it. Is, does it have longevity? Is it going to be? That's still unknown. I mean, the people who are putting all their money in Bitcoin here are taking a, a shot. And it might work out. It might not. I just wanted to get off zero. Like Mark Yusko said, I don't want to be, you know, left out if, you know, it's FOMO. I really, I really own Bitcoin because of FOMO. And it had a good technical setup. You know, and it has a story. Those are the three reasons. So I I don't know where, you know, like this could continue for a long time. But do you really think that we're all going to transact in Bitcoin one day? Spencer, what do you think? I, I just don't see it. It's just not, 
it's not uh, to be honest it's not very efficient it's not easy to go say okay i'm going to buy a loaf of bread it's going to be point like i've said before point zero 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 two bitcoins i mean what if they throw what if they're typing it in and they throw a decimal place off you know? like, <laughs> I mean, or whatever you know like in the price i mean it's confusing it's just not efficient they got to find a different way it's just you know when you're talking fractions and fractions of a penny to pay for something small sure you go buy a car and it costs you a bitcoin and a half or it costs you a bitcoin i mean okay but it's just not that efficient to transact in that but i'm not talking it down i still own it because the story is still there you know what uh dan makes a good point i was just thinking is when like so you buy something a car in bitcoin today you know like what's the settlement you know like it could say fifty thousand right now and you pay for it and you know with the transaction you know the settlement two days you know it could be a fifty two thousand could be a forty eight thousand i mean how how for everyday use but you know we're talking common sense here we're talking fundamentals you could, could we stop doing that please? i know we got it you're right yeah yeah come just on stop Get talking us? common sense because the market doesn't care about common sense Hell no it, it, it's true it's true this market doesn't care about common sense this market cares about the quick buck and the quick buck is still being made obviously um in the small cap names and in these storied stocks and there's a million more the spacs which i'm participating into um, you know, remained hot. And then, you know, you do have this smaller, the tech names are still hot. It's just not mega tech. It's, you know, the smaller tech, like you're seeing huge run-ups in, in a smaller tech names, um, like, you know, a Twilio, for instance, you know, has run substantially. I mean, it's $441 now. I mean, these are big moves, you know, back in the summer, we were 200. So the stock is more than doubled. So you're seeing smaller names still doing well. Um, and, and not the Twilio is small anymore, but it's not not participating in the mega caps, so I don't know how you, if you should like I, I like I'm bringing it back to that because I don't know if you should be repositioning here or if it's like okay they've run so far the mega caps eventually going to participate here again. I, I it's such an interesting market because these dynamics we haven't seen even though we've seen the market going up for years and years and years we haven't seen mega cap getting left in the dust like this. All right, let's shift gears here. And you guys always crush me on movies, right? You guys, you and Dennis and Spencer with all your movie quotes. So with what's going on in our environment right now, what movie am I thinking about and where did the movie take place? Are, are you kidding me? <laughs> We're going to crush this on Wait, wait, wait. What did? What, what was the question? What movie are you thinking of right now? Are you, are you for real? I'm talking well, about the environment. The environment. What's going on in the environment right now? Are you, are you for in, real? in the country? Oh, come on. You got to yeah, narrow it down a little bit more than that. Are you kidding me? You got to get narrowed down. What did a little we talk about that. on the pre pre market show? What stocks are we going to talk about? Uh, the Blizzard. Uh, yeah, Blizzard. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? The Blizzard? Yeah. Uh, the Big Chill? Yeah, there you go. All right. I, cause you, it's because you wrote it in the thing. But like... You guys complaining about your snow. I mean, you should go, okay, Spencer, show the picture I just sent you because this is what this is what it looks out, like outside where I'm at for the last three yeah, months. It never changes. The picture always looks the same. Uh, it's hard to see. It, it all, yeah, well you, can, well, you can put it up on you. Can, you could do it the other way. You didn't have to do it that way. But anyways, that's outside my place, yeah. yeah so right. that picnic table, that snow has been there. It's just like that. It doesn't. The snow comes and it just doesn't go away up here. I'm up near, you know, I'm, I'm up way up north and it's <laughs> there's a lot of snow up here. And where so. did that and where did that movie take place? Oh, 
show all no your idea. trivia. Oh, come on. You guys Wait, I have an update. I have I am not the only person in You're the office anymore. You're the big anymore. movie guys. Luke Wait, Hall. we got another person just centered. Who is it? Luke Jacoby, welcome Luke. to the office. Hot Stocks Luke is there. <laughs> Luke he made, made it. it. He's about two hours later than normal, but he but he's here. Um, you guys and you're complaining about your blizzards it snows here every single day we get five six inches of snow and it just doesn't go away they don't even give us blizzard warnings up here that's just a normal monday that's what they call this when you get like six inches of snow they call it monday that's what they call it here tuesday (laughs) wednesday it snowed for like 10 days in a row well the market is not treating it as such because if you look at energy you look at natural gas you look at generac gnrc market just anyways, it took place University of Michigan anyways. Okay. University uh, of Michigan grads. Not, not, yeah, it, it had a Michigan relation. Thanks. Uh, yeah, Generac, Dennis. I'm surprised that with you, that you, this was not one that you were just scooping up for a while. You couldn't do much I didn't even before. know about the, the blizzards here all the time. You guys got to tell me there's a blizzard coming in your neck of the woods. Because there's always a blizzard here. It, it's blizzard? Snowed, it, I just it's snowed I shrug that off. It's known in Texas. Do you know where that is? That is south. <laughs> I'm just saying. They, they have rolling blackouts. And, and you guys are all serious. soft, man. You guys, the snow, it's, it's, it's what nothing you can do. It's everywhere. <laughs> I'm in the snow, right. snow belt. I, I, I think it's funny that Dennis missed out on a trade because he genuinely wasn't aware. No, I wasn't. <laughs> I didn't know. It was, it was a blizzard. Relationships, every day. It's always a blizzard here in the <laughs> oh, snow trade, belt of Ontario. I, I, I trade relationships. He didn't even you know. You can't even look at the, no. the, the god darn weather map to know that you buy. <laughs> My weather app. map looks the same every day. There's a cloud over the area, and it's snowing. It Try looks get, the same every day. Watch something else besides CBC. And yeah, <laughs> Canada. We just got a permanent cloud sitting over northern. As soon as you get out of southwestern Ontario, it's the only area that doesn't get pounded with snow. Let's get some snow stocks here. All what right, else? give me snow stocks. Gen- GNRC is always a good one. How about John bucks. Deere? People need uh, tractors uh, and plows. I don't know if they think that far. Eh? It's okay. up three bucks. It's up four bucks. Yeah, okay, we'll give it to you. <laughs> well, I, mean, I guess we I can mean, say just about You throw me on the bus. I didn't even know there was a blizzard. Uh, show what if, does iRobot have a uh, automated uh, snow shoveler? That would be interesting. That's up to fifty. They should come out with that. Uh, natural gas. I mean, Dennis, it's it's a bad situation in uh, in Texas. I mean, they're doing rolling blackouts uh, because did they not just... know this was coming? It's it's not it's not about that. It's the the way the um, electric grid in in Texas and the way the the utility companies work in Texas, it's it's structured differently than like it is in other states where where it's it's much. I, I don't know if you want to say like uh, freer, more open, less monopolized, and so they these these utility companies don't really plan for like <laughs> for 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 major. First of all, they they don't have like. The, the infrastructure like the like the snow plows and salt and all that stuff but also like the electrical grid the companies don't really plan for like usage spikes like you would get during a blizzard right so um they just don't have the infrastructure for it yeah they're and they're like regulating like you can't turn your thermostat up over 68 they're like regulating your thermostats and um, stuff so, yeah. hey uh, chatter uh, listeners who are in texas you would know more than i i'm just relaying what i've read about it over the weekend yeah. but, but it's it, the, the way the 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 electric companies are structured down there it's it's different than 
for example, it's not it's not like in California where like PNG can just like you know shut down the grid for X amount of time, right? To to, to help fight wildfires, it's not it's not like that. So, um, but I would also look at like energy. I would look at XLE today. I would, I would look at natural gas. It's all up big. Yeah, yeah, that's where I would look. I maybe, mean, it, maybe the churn. one thing about this is this an event that eventually, like, I still think when you're buying all these oil stocks and people are plowing into oil stocks now that we're going back to $100 a barrel, the electrification of cars is still coming. The electrification of cars is still coming. We're going to have less demand for gas guzzling vehicles and I think in turn less demand for oil stocks, you know, going in the foreseeable future really it's not even like decades not a decade away anymore it's coming so is this your opportunity if you've been sitting in all these oil stocks and you know they've got pounded on you all year but they've come back is this eventually not your opportunity to lighten those up if you're really believing in the electrification of cars yeah but they're they're talking they're talking a long time they're you know they're it's i know these companies are coming out and saying yeah we're doing this but I don't know. I kind of thought that. Kind of thought that five, six years ago. But I don't know. I, I don't want to own any oil stocks. I, I I just think if I think if you're in those things, I think it's the opportunity to start getting out of them. Um, you know, everything's going up right now. Bag holder market. A lot. There's been a lot of bag holders and a lot of oil stocks. And this market has bailing those those holders out as well to a certain. I mean, ExxonMobil wasn't back at a hundred bucks. But it's 51 from 32 in November. I mean, if you're coming in buying it now, you're way late to the party. And I think, just like I was saying, I like the Bitcoin story, I hate the oil story. I still hate the oil story. So I, I just think if you're in these things, I think it's the opportunity that you've been looking for to maybe lighten up. You know, if you if you like it, you know, you want to stick with them, you know, sure. But don't have all your money in oil, in my opinion. You know what's interesting? Just that uh, it had the quick rebound off the March low, but it hasn't even taken out the June high. So, like, on a, just, I just—I know it's been playing catch up major league with the oil with the oil market, but just considering that it's not even above, well, it's getting back above its uh, its uh, February high. It's not above its June high, and then if you look at it, uh, you know, from a long long term perspective. What was the all-time high in that? Was that like uh, it was back here in 14 when it was the top component in the index? So on a re- relative basis, I mean, you can either look at it like, yeah, it's got a lot of catch-up to do, or this is just a dead cap bounce on a long-term trend that started in uh, the middle of 2014. I, think it is. I mean, people are arguing, you know, oil is going away. I'm not arguing that oil is going away. I'm arguing that the demand is going to go down. And what, you know, when businesses, demand goes slightly down, it really hurts. So, you know, you don't want to see demand, actually. Everything is about growth, right? You know, you're always driving into growth. I don't see oil as this huge growth opportunity. So if it stays flat, it's going to be a bad investment. If demand actually goes down, it's going to be a terrible investment. Well, you, you need it to continue to go up. That's also... about what investing is. It's about growth. I don't see the growth in oil. So I'm not saying oil is going away. I'm saying I don't see the growth. I don't see where, why. 
in this you know world where everybody knows a lot of younger generation that's concerned about the environment there's a lot of younger generation that loves the thought of solar power there's a lot of the younger generation that loves the thoughts of electric cars why do you want to own oil well it's not like they, they ha- it's not like they haven't the companies haven't said that they're trying to to pivot they are i mean they've all said where are they, they going to pivot from the, I they, mean, what are they, they are do? some of them. I see Suncor has a lot of wind turbines in Ontario. I mean, they're they're, so, yeah, they're trying. Let's not act they, like they're doing they're, nothing. What's that? No, no Spencer. And we're not saying. I'm not saying all these companies are going away. That's again. You know, people say, "Oh, I talk bearish." You know, I'm negative. I'm such a negative person. I'm talking You're realistically. Right. I mean, we've been talking bearish on oil for a long time on this show, and we've been absolutely correct. We have been absolutely correct. Because, you know, I sold my ExxonMobil at $95. And I said that day, five years ago, when I sold it, I had owned ExxonMobil in my portfolio for years. And I was like, I don't want to own oil stocks anymore. This was probably back in about 2016. Maybe it was 2015. Um, It's $50 five years later. So you lost 50% of your money five years later. We've been absolutely correct to not own these things. Did they get oversold? Maybe. You know, but is it going back to 95? In this market, anything's possible, but I don't see the fundamental case. There you go again. Drive it there back you, up. There you go again with your fundamentals. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why. I don't. Know it's why. not a story. So fundamentals don't matter. <laughs> but what's the goods oil story? Tell me the story to make me come back into my Exxon Mobil. I can scalp oh, 50 bucks go. on it There's right now. Yep. I can scalp 50 bucks on my Exxon Mobil. I owned it at 95, 45 points. I can scalp out five years, move that money into something else. It been a great long. It was a great long-term holding for me for a long time. I can scalp forty-five points on it. Talk me into it, chat. Talk me into why I should buy a oil company. Tell me. Uh, I don't know what the story di- is. Dividends. No, it's not a story in, a, in an environment. <laughs> I'm go wash your mouth where out people want to make ten percent a why day. Why are you talking about right, right, dividends? All right. Dividends. All right. Sorry, that's a dirty word. I'm sorry. So okay, that's that's my point. So you can invest how you want to invest, but I don't want to own a something that I don't think it has a sexy story. I think the oil has the opposite of that. I think it has a gross story because it's not clean energy, and we are moving towards clean energy. We got Biden in there. We are moving towards yep, clean energy. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it is very simple. If you look at the the top performing ETFs of the year so far, take away leverage, they all have one thing in common. They're all investing in like the future, right? Whether that's cannabis or technology or crypto or AI, robotics, whatever. Yes. The, the bets on the future are are in. Everything else is out. And, so. And- this oil rally hasn't been driven about bets to the future. It's been driven because everything is going up right now. It's being just caught up in the tide. The tide, you know, a rising tide, they say a sinking tide sinks all, or a rising tide lifts all ships. It does. You have a rising tide right now that is lifting the majority of your ships. And that's what I believe is happening with the oil rally. Just, you know, inflation to a certain extent hitting it. But I just don't see it. All right, uh, it's 8.30 here. We're going to have Bill Hart on in five minutes. Let's just cover some other stocks here. I, I, I do want to talk AMC because last time when I woke up this morning and, you know, you, you hopped on Twitter, at the, at the time, AMC was the most traded stock of the session. It is not quite there anymore, but still heavy, heavy volume on AMC this morning. I don't know so why. Uh, I have not seen any news. I just know it opened weirdly, oh. weirdly higher for some reason. 
It's that 4 a.m. juice, man. Yeah. Look at that. I mean, that that's all just... Day trade 4 a.m. Yeah, yeah. It took a little bit. It, I mean, I think that's just... You know, taking an algorithm that's just figured out, you know, you can bid, 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 bid. And then, you know, you finally snuff out the sellers and then you sell, 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 sell. If there's no, I mean, for this thing to go 580 to 680 and then now back down to six bucks. I mean, do we have, do we have any, there's no news, right? I mean, I guess things are getting better with the, uh, um, as far as like the vaccines and stuff go. But when, when, like. Is everyone going rushing out and going to the movies? Wasn't that a dying trend? And and Gene yeah. Mustard talked about this. It was a dying trend before the pandemic. Yes. Right. It was. Uh yeah, for sure. Look at these stocks. Look at AMC before I mean it had that ridiculous run. But look at this thing. It was back in two thousand seventeen. I mean, people don't want to pay nine bucks for, you know, greasy popcorn and six bucks for a Coke. And now they don't want to sit next to each other. So, I mean, these stocks are going to have – this has a better fundamental story uh, than GameStop. But and unless there's know, some al- alternative use for these theaters, I don't know what it is. But uh, – I don't know. We're, we're never going to know why, like, these stocks trade like this, like why they AMC – I, I think that's purely mechanical trip, just bots. Just bidding in a thin market, bidding, bidding, bidding. When you're bidding like that, when you're mm. being aggressive, you know when someone wants to sell. You know when you you find an offer. You know when someone wants to kick your butt. And that the, these algorithms can do that, and it turns. They're like, oh, well, let's turn the machine on the other way. Let's jam it down, jam it down, take profits because that's a big bar. I don't know how much volume trading on that, but anyways, let's do. Uh, Let's do Palantir. I Somebody mean, that's was saying I'm... that AMC popped on a Forbes headline. So, no. So I don't know. No. If that was sorry. Or... Sorry. No. Just, just Forbes? Sorry. sorry. Okay. Not buying it. I, th- I think AMC is just still the Reddit crowd, and they you know, and they do. At 4 a.m., they're all excited. Yep. This is, oh, it's going to turn around. The problem is, again, to do this again to these stocks, I'm not saying they can't do it, but it's a lot harder because there's so many – people who bought recently that are burned and all those people want to get out they want their money back i mean you read the horror stories over the weekend from gamestop you know and there was a couple articles that i tweeted out as well you know and some some, you know some person taking out a twenty thousand dollar line of credit to go buy gamestop i mean the stuff you just don't do yeah that's what the article was and now he says eventually it's going to come back so i'm just going to keep paying the interest at 11 percent you know to hold the gamestop position i mean this is this is this is the downside. I also read that. I, I also up. read that article. Yeah, and you almost never hear of the people who lost. So it's good because they don't want to write it. It's right. not you know fun. Well, but, you they know, do, they do, but people don't want to talk about it. People don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But, so no, there's a lot right. of people that made money. GameStop. A lot of people got burned. We know this is how these things go. If you're in these things, this trades, you gotta you know get out when the momentum gets you know when the momentum turns. And and GameStop, I just couldn't control the risk. That's why I wasn't participating in it at all. But wow. So oh, you should. By the way. Uh, SPs are fading here for some reason. I don't know. I think the high of the day. Is I would 59. bet you the mega caps. Yep. Amazon is almost in the red now. Apple, yep. Facebook, Netflix to a certain extent. It's red now. The big guns are not participating. It is a concern. It is a concern because this market, that's why I keep coming back to them because this market. It's so much of the spy. I mean, how much of those top 10 components, Joel? 25%. 25%. They're not participating. 
So one of two things. There's going to eventually be a catch-up trade. Money's just going to fly into these. Maybe it flies out of this other stuff and goes. But there's money that is coming out of mega cap and going into small cap. This stuff is more indicative of, of happens more at market tops than it does happen at really awesome investment opportunities. Again, I'm almost fully invested. So I'm not like ringing the, you know, get out of everything here. You just got to be careful because I will, you know, obviously as a trader, you know, I'll go both ways. And if it's the going gets tough, you know, you've got to be careful here because you're not buying cheap. You're, you're coming here and you're investing your dollars now. Nothing's that cheap. All right. I guess we'll do Palantir. Uh, we, do we got Bill afterwards. We do, we do. We'll do Palantir after Bill. Bill Hartz is a former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative. Last time he was on our show, he blew my freaking mind. So maybe, I don't know if he has that up his sleeve again this time. But uh, Bill, smart. good morning. Hi, how are you guys? Thanks for having me on again. Thanks for coming back. So uh, what, what has been on your mind these last two weeks that as far as how these, these um, I don't know, crazy trades sort of shook out? Uh, the story is not quite over yet. I mean, we're still learning new things all the time. The CEO of Robinhood, et cetera, are set to testify in front of Congress. But as far as how the story's played out these last past few weeks, has anything surprised you on that front? Yeah, well, I, I think um, there's obviously been this real emphasis on payment for order flow and whether or not it might lead to conflicts of interest uh, uh, between uh, brokers and their clients and how they route orders and so on. But in my opinion, this is a story we've seen before. And um, look, let me let me just point out, this is not the first rodeo for payment for order flow by any means. Uh, uh, before you guys uh, start with the hot takes on uh, OK Boomer, um, let me just tell you about <laughs> a lot of this oh, actually funny. goes back to like the 1980s uh, when payment for order flow first started uh, gaining some traction and uh, the NASD, which was the predecessor of today's FINRA, put together uh, a blue ribbon committee. It was chaired by an ex-chairman of the SEC named David Reuter. And the Reuter Commission was basically oh, yeah. set up. Sorry. <laughs> it, the, the Reuter Commission was basically set up to look into this. And, and they came out with this big report in, uh, I think it was 89. And there were three big takeaways. The first one was the payment for order flow was basically a means of returning outsized intermediary profits to brokers and their investors. Number two, that there were many different kinds of payment for order flow, that, and some of which would be hard to put a value on. And number three was that payment for order flow could be beneficial to investors by doing things like lowering broker costs, leading to free commissions, and, and here we are 30 years later, and, and that's pretty much what happened. So the SEC and FINRA have said for years that payment for order flow is fine, assuming, with two big caveats, number one, that there's proper disclosure, that the brokers tell their clients that they're receiving payment for order flow, and number two, that it does not interfere with obtaining best execution of the client orders. And that's the key thing to watch for as we go forward and see these, these congressional hearings and so on, because that's really, I think, what they're going to hone in on, are clients getting the best execution. And, um, you know, Quite often, best execution, you'll hear the term uh, price improvement and how much price improvement are orders getting and so on. And just recently, we've learned that uh, several brokers have started to disclose Robinhood, Schwab, Ameritrade, these, these uh, price improvement numbers that are much higher than people uh, have thought, which is a good thing for investors. Uh, and so the interesting thing is going to be to watch when, when you see these hearings 
is that the regulators, the SEC and FINRA, they've known about this for years. They've been surveilling it that, you know, when necessary, they swoop in and levy fines and so on. It'll be interesting to see if they have to defend what they've done to Congress. Uh, it should make some for some very interesting viewing. Um, I just yeah. got a couple comments there too, Bill. And, you know, and I agree, like I, what I see, and obviously I've been a big, um, I've been a big critic of payment for order flow for a long time, but I do see some the improvement that you're talking about. Like I used to see when we started talking about this, Joel, back in like 2009, you'd see what I would call like subpennying the quote where you're seeing this 0.0001 price improvement. And I did like a study with Bright Trading. It was like something like 28% of orders were getting like one one thousandth of a penny price improvement. Um, and it, I was like, this is this, you know, price improvement 0.0001 really enough price improvement to justify taking a fill away from a displayed liquidity provider. And, you know, I've argued that for a long time. But what you're arguing is that you're starting to see more competition here and you're starting to see that PI. You're not seeing as much of this 0.0001 stuff where somebody's just effectively trying to jump the or the lead order queue um, by giving a fraction of a cent better. So you're actually starting to see more competition and you're starting to see the PI um, more significant than this 0.0001 stuff that we saw for years. That's right. I, I think that the the, uh, the, the brokers, the, the market makers have evolved to a point where they really are giving back significant amounts of, of PI um, between two and five cents a share when you look at Robinhood and Schwab and Ameritrade. Uh, and, and I mean, that's on average, and, and, and it generally goes by a percentage of the spread. So no one should expect to get three cents price improvement on a stock with, you know, three cents spread. That yeah. makes no sense. No. But, but in general, uh, I think we are seeing significant price improvement now. But, but you know, I, when, when you start watching these hearings, I think what people have to keep in mind, and I like to say this, is you have to say, well, Price and uh, uh, payment for order flow, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but compared to what? And ask yourself, what would happen if Congress or the SEC or someone decided to ban hard cash payment for order flow? Um, and, and it's actually a good mental exercise to do this because these are the questions that the Congress people and the senators are going to are, are really going to come up on very quickly. So let me just give you a couple of quick bullet points on this. So if you banned payment for order flow, hard cash payment for order flow, um, early on, what that would mean, it would be a windfall for the market makers because market makers have proven that their execution quality is as good as or, or better than what you can get on exchange. So brokers would probably continue to route to them to get best execution, but they'd no longer have to pay for the flow. So it would save, save themselves a bunch of money. I'm, and believe me, I'm not trying to hype Virtu stock, but just imagine what would happen to their valuation if you added back all the PFOF money that they currently pay out. So that, that's number one. And that would become apparent pretty quickly if they eliminated uh, payment for order flow. Number two, brokers could set up their own internalization desk upstairs. This was very common in the 1990s. Uh, you know, every... Every broker, you know, uh, Merrill Lynch, the farm, they all had NASDAQ desks upstairs. And so they basically internalized their own flow. It's a little harder to do that today. It's expensive to set up. You need some rocket scientists to figure out the algorithms. It's, you know, but theoretically they could do that. But here's another way, another thing that could happen if, if hard cash payments were, were uh, made illegal. Basically, the brokers who currently route to market makers could own a piece of a company that is a market maker or an exchange. 
And, and therefore, if that company made a profit, they would share in the profits through their ownership and they would still direct their order flow to that company. So the big example of this was everybody remembers night. I'm sure the, the nightmare where uh, an algorithm went haywire and, and basically put the company out of business. Knight, for a long time, was one of the leading market makers of NASDAQ stocks. And uh, uh, it was actually formed by 27 brokers who got together. It was called the Roundtable Partners. That's how it became known as Knight of the Roundtable, Knights of the Roundtable. Uh, and these brokers basically said, OK, look. We're going to build this market maker, and if the market maker makes money, uh, we'll share in that, and we'll send our order flow to it. And that was very uh, successful for a long time. Today, you don't have that right now. It could happen. Um, you have uh, broker-owned exchanges like Memex most recently, uh, and Myax also is partly broker-owned. So there are different ways to skin that cat, but let me just point out from a disclosure perspective, that these things are worse than payment for order flow because it, it were, at least with payment for order flow, you know how much money is changing hands. If, if some firm sets up an upstairs trading desk, you don't really know how much they're making from it. There could be all kinds of costs loaded in and it'd be very hard to disclose it. So anyway, at the end of the day, what I think is going to happen is you'll see increased attention to the practice. There'll, there'll probably be another blue ribbon panel set up to study payment for order flow again. Yeah. Uh, and but at the end of the day, there'll probably be little change from from Congress or the regulators. I think you make a great point with, um, you know, and obviously my concern overall is the toxicity. And we know we're going to start to get ahead of our listeners. So we've got to bring it down a level, maybe. But, you know, I'm <laughs> concerned that there's so much informed traders just on the exchange and all the uninformed flow is being kept off the exchange so as a market maker as a lit market maker if you're making markets on the exchange you don't want to trade you know with informed traders you don't make money trading against other prop traders you don't make money trading against informed traders as a market maker you make money trading against uninformed flow typically retail is more that flow um, that flow being kept off the exchange is what i say increases the toxicity of order flow on the exchange, it makes it less attractive for firms like ourselves to provide liquidity. So to put it in perspective, because the way the markets have evolved over the last 11 years and so much retail flow being kept off the exchange, our firm has went from primarily providing liquidity to primarily taking liquidity. We've adjusted to the environment. Our traders are doing very well, but we take liquidity. We lift the offer, we hit the bid, we maybe go two-thirds through if we're small enough to not affect it but we're coming through as opposed to sitting out there. So the point you were making is even if you get and you ban payment for order flow, that those orders, those retail orders are likely not coming back onto the exchange. And I think a main reason for that too, which we haven't talked about is access fees is you can't have, you know, Robinhood routing out to Arca and paying three tenths of a penny to get filled on that order. They're going to get crushed on that. So, I mean, I mean, if you're going to ban payment for order flow, you've got to look at the access fees on the exchange, too, and say, well, you've got to ban them as well. You can't just take away the payments that way because you can't for, you know, obviously the brokers are never going to route anything to the exchange um, in, in any regard because they don't want to make those payments. So yeah. you can take away their, their gravy train, you know, maybe the PFOF, maybe they got to add some commissions. But like you say, they're probably still not routing their orders to an ARCA offer or, or you know, an offer that's they got to pay three tenths to take it. So I think you're, you're, making, you're making a great point. I mean, look, when all this started, 
the exchanges were considered the gold standard of execution quality, you know, and it was up to the market makers to prove that they could do as well or better than an execution on an exchange. Mm -hmm. Today, I think it's all sort of flipped on its head where the market makers are generally considered to have the best execution quality. And the, it's up to now to the exchanges to, to give a good reason why a broker should route to them, whether or not they pay payment for order flow. And they do, by the way, they're, they're called exchange rebates. So, but I, I, I get your point, it, you know, if, if liquidity, if orders continue to drain away from the exchanges, what will happen to the quality of price discovery? I think there are mechanisms in place that will ensure that the exchange quotes will continue to reflect what's happening off exchange. Uh, but that's another topic that, that yeah. the regulators are certainly. Bill, doing. Let me let me hop in here for a second. Uh, we're on with Bill Hart. He's a former CEO of Modern Markets Initiative. And uh, I might be a little off base here in some of my assumptions here. But uh, Dennis, you can correct me if I'm wrong. So. You know, these market may one thing about trading, this let me make this statement, whether you're a short term trader, long term trader, one thing about trading is like taking losses, right? I mean, whether they're small losses or big losses, invested in discipline, right? But when I kind of look at like the payment for order flow, it's like I kind of feel that they can't lose. Like almost like almost every trade, almost every execution they make money on. And if it's not, if they can't do that, or they can't get, or they can't break even, then they pass it on to the exchange. So I'm not saying it's riskless trading, and I might be a little bit off yeah. base on this, but when you don't have, when you have the option of taking the other side of a trade or passing it on to the street, that's not an even playing field for yeah. you. That's a and that and that's why you know we can say there's lots of pi but also we can look at you know the bottom line a lot of these options can't lose. they made a lot of money yeah i mean it's it's such a it's such a good system for an off exchange market maker we don't have to name them here you guys know all the ones we're talking about but i mean it's such a huge edge to be able to take the other side to have that option to take this other side of this trade coming through and again when you're looking at retail you're looking at a smaller trades typically. So it's, you know, when you're taking the other side of a trade, and it could be an institution coming through. You don't know, like you sell it here, they're coming with more and they're coming with more and now you're getting buried. Where typically smaller retail traders, it's going to be back and forth. Just like even, you know, the stats that we were looking, um, you know, from Citadel with GME. I mean, that was pretty even the buying and selling. So that's ideal for a market maker because they can keep flipping out boom, on the bid of the boom, ass. Boom, boom. Yep. So I, I think what Bill's saying is if you get rid of payment for order flow, I don't know if that, you know, goes away. I don't know if that goes away by just eliminating. If you get improved three tenths of a penny on something, that means that they made six tenths of a penny. Or it is. They're making the yeah, spread. I mean, it is. You're right. I mean, don't tell me about price improvement at three tenths of the only reason you're getting that improvement is because of whatever market dynamic was, if they had another order in the book, they're they're not giving you the through you know, the brokers that advertise that, oh, you know, price improvement. Well, you're not getting your full price improvement. And there's nothing you can say that would convince me that every price improvement that they get on these executions is passed on to the brokers and passed on to the customers. It's well, just they're making on the spread. Yeah. You know, well, you're arguing that point. So let, well, let's let Bill address that. Yeah, no, I mean, look, uh, I understand what you're, what you're saying. I think the first thing that you have to understand is that over the course of a day, a market maker is up and down all the time, right? They, they're not profitable on every trade. For sure not the way it works right and so so there's there's nothing that says 
oh, market maker looks at an order. If this isn't profitable, he passes it on to the exchange. That's not what happens. And in fact, the, the amount of flow that market makers pass on to the exchange is a small fraction of what they what they generally trade with every day. But in terms of, of you know, you being skeptical about how much price improvement you're getting, what I would what I would say is do a test, right? Send one order through Robinhood or Schwab or Meritrade and send another one where you know it's going directly to an exchange and see how they both come back. And I think what you'll find is that in general, the market maker trades are going to be better prices. Yeah, well, it's the difference between markets and limits, right? Because typically, you know, and this is something that's been said for a long time, I mean, the, the, the re- you know, the off-exchange market makers are buying market orders. Exchanges are buying limit orders. I mean, that's really what you're doing by having rebates attached to those. So, like, you just look at what what Joel's saying is, you know, you got this market maker that there is, it's a big edge. I mean, it's a big edge for sure on the spread. It gives you a big advantage. And they're, and they're paying for that advantage. So they're not doing this out of the goodness of their heart. They're not giving the PI out of the goodness of their heart. But I see Bill's argument that, even if you get rid of the PI, they're probably still getting those orders. So that stuff isn't going away. You know, we're not going back to the days where 100% of the flow is going to be on the exchange anymore. That ship has sailed. You know, like I argued that for a long time. I wanted to bring flow back on the exchange because I thought price discoveries being impaired. And the small cap names and some of them it probably is to a certain extent. But it's held up very well in a lot of other names. So there's good arguments on both sides. I see both sides of this. And one other thing too is like when they when things you know really get crazy and stuff, these guys don't have an affirmative about obligation. There used to be market makers that had to post a two sided market, and even when things got wild and you were getting like picked off, there's no affirmative obligation. I, oh, what? Hey, this is getting you know. Oh, let's shut her down for a little bit. I mean, that that that's another thing that uh, is a little fun. Um, well, you could take you know. it a step farther, too. Maybe Bill could address that, too. Is the off-exchange market maker not even about affirmative obligations, not even posting a market? <laughs> I mean, they're just they're they're basically free-riding on the public quote. So you're not even posting a market up there. So the risk, I well, mean, you know, we've on, been hold. market makers for a long time. Bill, hold but on. it's when, true, when, though. When we, when we talk about affirmative obligations, generally, um, what you're going back to are things like um, what exchange specialists used to have, right? And it wasn't yeah. so much to make a two-sided photo, that was part of it. And by the way, today, uh, market makers, of course, are always publishing two continuous two-sided quotes. In fact, they'll often post quotes deeper than what the uh, what the NBBO quote is. The, but, the lit ones, but the off-exchange ones don't have no, to. No, no, no. Yeah. So, so, well... So they, most of those, most of the off exchange market makers are let market makers too, though. Right. So, so, so they're on both places. The, the, my point is that maybe in the old days with the exchange specialist, there was an exchange rule that said, you know, you couldn't move a stock by more than an eighth or a quarter. Right. We were talking about, you know, 12 cents at that time, 12 and a half cents without uh, some intervening trade. That was what was known as an affirmative obligation. Yeah. Today, we've sort of evolved to a point where, well, you know, spreads are so narrow that maybe that's not as important anymore, but maybe depth at the inside is more important. And so market makers, uh, as, as a competitive measure, often will, uh, will execute trades that are, that are much larger than what's shown at the inside. So I would argue that there are these, these obligations, maybe they're not written down somewhere, but, but in fact, the, the retail investors that are, that are, whose orders are being sent to market makers benefit from them. 
I mean, that's size improvement you're talking about. And no. that's another argument for, you know, like I, like I said, you know, I can see both sides, you know, and I think there's a, I think there's a happy medium of, you know, where the markets are most efficient to have a certain amount of volume going off exchange and a certain amount of volume going on exchange. You know, do we want to go like, you know, back to, you know, hundred percent on the exchange? It's not going there. So it's unrealistic to hope that that would happen. Um, but you know, at a certain point, is there a tipping point? I'll just maybe finish with that. Is there a tipping point? If we start seeing 70, 80%, I mean, we're at 44% or something right now. We start seeing like three quarters or two thirds of our orders going off exchange. Does that eventually, is there a tipping point where it does start to impair price discovery? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's a set point. I actually, I think we're closer to 50 right now, but okay, so it's going up. It, yeah. it can be measured in shares, it can be measured in notional value. There's a lot of, you know, sure. this around, but but um, I, I don't know. I think, you know, look, a lot of people don't realize that uh, even when a market maker holds a limit order off exchange, unexecuted, that limit order still has to be reflected in the NBBO on exchange. So, so the price discovery mechanism actually, you know, would, would still be happening even though that order is not literally on the exchange. So um, hard to say at where there would be a tipping point. I'm not sure there is. I, I, I think, you know, it's something that obviously the regulators pay a lot of attention to. Well, it's been a great conversation. I know we're going above the head of a lot of listeners here, but I think sometimes we've got to dig into the plumbing. I mean, digging into the plumbing. And Bill's a great plumber here, and I respect Bill Hart <laughs> so much. I've followed him for years on Twitter. Give him a follow here. He knows the stuff. We're kind of on the opposite sides on this argument. I'm on the side, same side as Bill on a lot of stuff. I'm, 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 I see as a point here, though, on payment for order flow. So, Bill, I just want to say thanks again for coming on. We want to have you back because I want to talk financial transaction tax with you next time. Yeah, Maybe we should talk time. about the FTT. Right. Yeah, for sure. Thanks so much, Bill. Thanks, guys. Hey, Dennis, just real quick. We did uh, running into the details, and you're talking about lit market, you know, trade, and then also the NBBO. Uh, those terms, I don't know if anyone is super familiar with those. I mean, we're going above, you know, the okay. national best right. bid and offer is basically your lit quote. So you just think about it as the quote you're seeing. And so all we're, the, the, big, the big point here is, you know, there's a lot of volume going off exchange. When you send your order from Robinhood, it's typically not going to the exchange. It's going to an off exchange market maker that's going to probably execute against it. So your orders aren't getting to the exchange. I'm at Bright Trading trading on the exchange. So in all likelihood, there's a very low likelihood that you will ever trade against me because there'll be somebody jumping to. in the middle. There'll be somebody jumping in the middle. So if I, I go to, you know, like if you come in, if I'm offering a stock and you go to lift my offer, in all likelihood, somebody's going to jump in the middle. An off-exchange market maker is going to jump in to stop you from taking my offer. And that's where you start to get into, you know, the, the, the plumbing of the markets. And, you know, we're looking at, is it fair that that offer that I'm offering the stock, I'm the person offering it out there, but I don't get the sale because we have another person has the option basically to come in and say, no, I'm not going to, I'm going to jump in the middle of this trade. I mean, and that's in the plumbing and, you know, we're talking, but, you know, Bill's point was you get rid of payment for order flow, that stuff's still all going to exist. And that's a good point. All right. Let's do pallet as the market yes. erodes here. And is I don't know, Dennis. Where, it's the mega caps going by. I yeah, know this is yeah. Amazon's down in, six bucks here now too. I don't yeah. like it. My long term portfolio is not liking the lack of participation from the mega caps, but no, they are no. just not going. People uh, want to get in this next. Could it be How that? many small names do we have? I mean, look at the chat. This is a great example too, Spencer. <laughs> What's the chat want to talk about? They want to talk about not, sand dial or sundial or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> They do. They want to talk about the small little names because that's where people are getting. That's what's sexy right now. That's where people are making money. 
They don't want to talk about, you know, plumbing. They don't want to talk about Amazon. They want to talk about, you know, a lot. Not everyone, but a lot of people want to talk about the small names. Very, so that's just indicative of the market we're in. Yeah, very last thing. It's 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 not really about what we talk about, but it's tangentially related. Uh, if you want a, a good historical perspective on, on how exactly, like, clearing works and the history of that, there's a great post that I read over the weekend. Just Google WTF is DTCC. DTCC is the Depository Trust Clearing Corporation. That's like the plumbing of our markets. You just Google WTF is DTCC. There's a good post that explains like the history of clearing and, and like how it works. And so that's what I wanted to add about, not really about payment forward flow, but related to that conversation. Uh, Palantir. Let's see those, those numbers Palantir. here. Their, the, their earnings per share missed the eight cent loss versus a two cent gain estimate i'll bring up the chart here for joel uh sales of okay, three, yeah. 322 versus 300 million dollars no you have yeah. um so uh, two two things i'll add though uh remember kathy wood has been buying palantir uh, in her yeah. arc funds and also the lockup expiration expires on thursday mm. thursday couple competing factors there we know kathy wood's been buying palantir on dips you look like you're gonna get a dip here this morning so does she buy it tonight she might um, is that going to be, you know, do I want to come in here right now because Kathy Woods might buy tonight? Well, it's still in full price discovery mode here, 16 million shares. I don't want to be like, you know, coming in here and saying, oh yeah, Kathy will buy tonight. It's going to come back. And then it's at 25 and it bounces up to 26 and you lose four bucks. So I think you let the dust settle here a little bit. Momentum has kind of broken in this name too, Joel. I mean, you think Twice. about all the small, yeah, like this is concerning to a certain extent it didn't make a new high on the last move the momentum is broken it's a name that everybody's piled into so it's a crowded trade so could this see 25 again i'd be a buyer uh, on a trade right. at 25 but you're you're still five points away from there yeah that's exactly well yeah you're actually you're getting a nice bounce here and i was looking at also uh mid-range uh in this whole move from uh, nine bucks to 45 is 27 so I'm thinking 25 to 27 range, but, you know, am I being too cheap? At least that's what it's looking like right now. You hit 28 bucks, you got a nice bounce off 30. But when you see this much, this many lows and up and, uh, you know, in the same area, just above and just below, I think that's where your your patient buyers are. If you, have, if you think they just whooped it up on the report and Kathy's coming in and buying 7 yeah. million shares tonight – then buy it. Lean on. I just want to want to see it take out the pre-market low. If that's if that's your trading style, that's your risk reward. As the S and P's are about to crack thirty nine forty, then yeah, lean on that twenty eight. But it's really on the daily chart. It's really in no man's land. It had a big move off twenty five eighty two. So don't have much to substantiate that. But it depends what your risk appetite is. And you know, if you're waiting for th- factors that you can't control. Like Kathy coming in tonight and buying it, then you have to lean on the 28. I mean, it's hard to just say, oh, I'm going to get ahead of the Kathy trade, too. I mean, sometimes you actually see this. And, you know, we could talk to Kathy trade for a second because everybody likes talking it. But sometimes when it's anticipated, oh, there's a big dip in this and she's going to buy it. She doesn't buy it. I actually cool. see those stocks go down. So, you know, we don't we talk about what goes up all the time, but if it's an obvious one that she like sometimes she buys them for five, six days, and then you'll see it actually trading up because people are anticipating she's gonna come in and buy it again, and then she doesn't buy it, and then it goes down. So it's like it goes it gets punished because she didn't buy it. So and if she had been buying <laughs> wow. the stock for six, seven days, she has that much influence that when she stops buying, there's actually a little bit of like, you know, give back in the stock. 
because she didn't buy it. So it's not just a slam dunk that, oh, yeah, she'll buy Palantir, so it'll probably go up tonight. Do I think she's going to buy Palantir? I think there's a chance she might. She may also wait for the debt. Maybe she doesn't like the earnings report. She's a fundamental trader. You know, there could be some other things, too. Just coming in a stock because you think Kathy's going to buy it, though, is a little bit of a dangerous, especially after they just report earnings. Uh, just so, real, just real quick, I just want to do a couple more. Uh, yeah, yeah. Bluebird Bio, you, uh, uh, you, you never want to see this. They suspended a, a, a trial yeah. uh, this morning. There was a report that a patient who was treated uh, with their drug more than five years ago in Group <laughs> A was diagnosed with leukemia. So they call this a um, – let me pull it up here. Just had it. They call it a suspected uh, – Unexpected serious adverse reaction, uh, SUSAR is the acronym there, but wow. th- you never want to see that. Uh, this is one of I've got this in my long term portfolio. I bought it back because when Kite got bought, well, I've owned this for a lot of years. When Kite got bought, and when um, who's the other one that got bought? There was three shoot. of them that always traded again. Uh, yeah, together. shoot, it was Kite, uh, oh, what's the other one? Oh, but gosh. Two, the three well, I always paired together, two out of the three got bought, and I was like, <laughs> okay. They're going to probably buy, eventually somebody's going to buy Bluebird Bio too. It never materialized. I probably should have sold it. And now, you know, their own company is not, you know, obviously it's still burning cash. And now you get a trial that doesn't work out. And this has not been a good one for me. So this could be one of these that I'm going to write off at the end of the year. We're going to see. But it's been my long-term portfolio for a long time, and it's been a complete dog. Oh, boy. Bounced off the pre-market now, if you want to use that as a reference point. What was that? Twenty-eight fifty-six. so it's 5 bucks above that so i think if you come back in you even see buyers step up at 30 after that uh but just a long-term chart here in this i mean it's just kind of telling you like <laughs> i don't know i don't know where low <laughs> maybe draw a trend line off this 2018 high and 2019 high that's a pretty steep one maybe catches the july of 19 high as well and maybe wait for it to break not much to say about yeah, it. Yeah, it's hard. These stocks going down. So let's get two or three more in because I know we sure, went on the plumbing yeah, talk. I'll one. stick a little longer because we went on the plumbing talk for a long time, and some people are upset that we didn't talk a lot of stocks. <laughs> so somebody's saying Neo. Um, again, overall market matters here. Neo looks to me like it's in consolidation station to go higher. I'm not long the stock. I kind of want to be. I've been in Neo a few times. Um, it's you know it's been a ridiculous run for it. I always look at XPEV when I'm looking at Neo as well. <laughs> XPEV looks a hell of a lot more tired, which makes me somewhat concerned from a Paris trader perspective because of XPEV. So it's going down. They could hit Neo, but just looking at Neo, taking everything out, just looking at the technicals, it kind of looks to me like it's in consolidation station to eventually go higher. Joel. Uh... I'll take, take the other, I'll, t- I'll take the other side on that one. That's, cool. I That's just, why we have a yeah, yeah, it hit the high. You had to break. You came down, had another run. You got up to that same area. I think if you're looking at it for a trade, you really want this thing to continue. You got to get above that high from last week. Just looks kind of tired. Holding yesterday, you know, holding the low from Friday. We're trading up 30 cents here. I don't know. It could bounce between 55 and whatever this high, 67 for a long time, but Man, looks. A, I know the long-term trend is up. It's had the consolidation. Just looks a little tired to me. And it's, you've been uh, trading that bumble. Ha! Jeez. Oh, no. no. Let's okay. bring it up though. BMBL. 
Yeah, it's what the world needs another dating service during a pandemic. I don't like That's... day one. I don't like day two. I Fari already says he wants six months. I would get down dirty way before that, but I like a few days. I mean, it's too wild yet. I want to calm down a bit. So okay. that's when I start right. getting down and dirty in it. So another week, I'll probably start trading Bumble and add it to my universe. Right now, I haven't even added it to the universe yet because I don't want to trade it. The <laughs> so, uh, reason I do that is I, I want, I'm, I'm disciplined. I like to control the risk. When you're seeing stocks move around and 20% ranges on a daily basis, it's difficult yeah. to control the risk. Show me it can hold 77.50. That's it. Show me. I mean, that's only two days of price action. Uh, a low on the initial day at 70, a high on the second day at 84.80 or 85, 15-point move. That's, you know, let's show me you could get in here, make a couple days, hold 77 and a half, and then take off. If not, but like once again, a, uh, a dating stock during a pandemic, I, I don't know. It's a doing well, man. Match has just killed it, though. So yeah, they said I actually. Guess. I mean, I guess match, you can't go to a bar. It. Logic doesn't work on that one. You think, yeah, who's going on dates? But, you know, virtual, like Virtual guess, dates. You know? virtual, yeah, virtual dates. It's still working. You can't go out and meet people in a bar, so you go on match. I mean, so a lot of this actually does kind of make sense if you think about it. Okay. Maybe. All right. I don't know. Uh, what all about right. all these SPACs? I mean, we've got, like, and we're going to have SPACs attack on uh, at 11 o'clock, but, you know, I'm seeing SPAC names thrown at me. Yeah, CCIV has been doing some weird yeah. stuff lately. Oh, wow. That is just that one. They still don't have the deal, do they? Like, like no, that's, that's why I said it's doing some weird stuff. because This is even... Lucid Motors, right? Yeah, well, supposed to be. Supposed to be. It's still just rumors. It's at 37 bucks on the 10 on rumors. If they don't get the deal... Oh. oh, so if they get the deal, but the problem is, even if they get the deal at this point, how much more upside guess, is yeah. there? Yeah, like I mean, maybe it is. Maybe it's like huge. You know, obviously it's a big name out there in the SPAC world, and it's a big name out there to get. So, but if they, for whatever reason, if they don't get it, this thing be back at like fifteen bucks. So you got to be careful. Risk reward here when they still don't have the deal confirmed. It's probably getting it. They're probably getting the deal. But again, even as this, like, it's run up so much, 39 on the 10. So I can't come in here up here now. I've been ringing the register, and some of these are just getting silly. I mean, some of these SPACs names pre-deal are trading 30 40 50% premium. Bill Ackman's trading like a 60% premium now. It's 20. I believe 20 is Bill Ackman's. It's no, 32 wait. this No, no, no. Oh, he started at 20. Yeah. Yeah, so it's yeah, 32. Yeah. It's 60% premium. He doesn't even have a deal. There's nothing. There's not even a target for Bill Ackman. So, I mean, it's it's a little bit of a craze. Like, it's been, you know, running. But I've started lightning. And not PSTH. I didn't yet because I love Bill Ackman. I still think he's going to get a great deal. And I said to myself I was going to hold it until he got a deal. But he gave him a 60% premium pre-deal. It better be a dang good deal. Yeah, it better be. Uh, Joel, how is Marriott trading this morning? Uh, Do you have something on Marriott? Uh, I don't know. It, this what is, is like, What's the headline? N- not something you like to talk about but the ceo suddenly passed away uh oh. they, they announced it this morning so i guess it was sometime over the weekend the president ceo arnie Sorensen. um i'm it's just curious it. it's just trading okay. up with the market 130 so yeah I mean, Marriott's I mean, been a stock that's come back a long ways from the pandemic lows too i mean this got down to 50 bucks it's basically back up to almost where it was i i can't get on the hotel chain you know, and it's sorry to hear about the CEO. It's awful news. Um, but it's hard to get on the on the hotel chain and say, okay, yeah, let's get on these hotels. You know, are we going to have this big boom after with COVID, and maybe that drives it? Maybe. 
But I mean, these stocks are all back to where they were pre-pandemic. Hey, actually, you, you, know, you, know, you know what, Joel? Can you, can you pull up Airbnb? I haven't looked at Airbnb for a hot second, and I would like to. Because that's the, that's the way I'd play it. Like, COVID bounce back is Airbnb. <laughs> That's well, still eating, and you're making a great point. It's like Uber to the taxi companies. Airbnb is to Marriott and Hilton. I mean, there there's you know a full attack on their business model here happening. And you know, do you want to go and jump in a Marriott or Hilton? Do you want to play pay a valuation of Airbnb? But there's no doubt that you know we used to always go to hotels. Me and my wife before the pandemic when we actually went out. But you know, in the last year or two, we were always doing Airbnbs as well. It's more fun. You know what? Someone someone advertised that they had um, a house with an indoor pool for rent, and like Lisa tried to get it, and like they're booked up for like a year. Jeez. Oh, for sure. Jeez. Yeah. That's crazy. Uh, right there. If you want, I mean, this is right at its old time high. So if you're using that as an indicator, I mean, the Marriott came a long way back. Uh, you got an all time high at two nineteen ninety four. So. I don't know. Marriott's come back for you if you've been holding it. I I pulled it up. I don't know if it's really moving on this news, but it got a lot after making that 135 high. You got a lot of resistance at 132.47. It's been up there four or five times uh, since December. Yeah, I I mean just going back to the Marriott in, in case it wasn't clear. Obviously, like that's not something that I, I like to talk about. No, I was, yeah. I, I, I was just curious what what. If there's so, stock reaction, sometimes, sometimes there is a reaction. Sometimes there is. Sometimes there's an obviously horrible yeah. news. You never like to hear that. Yeah. I it's more interesting when the, like the CEO resigns, like in Intel. Yeah. yeah. And they just goose the stock, yeah. and then and that then, went up. Yeah, I know when that happens because and then like it came the, down. Did it fill the gap there? Where is Intel? I sold it into that pop. Mm. Yeah, it's that's higher. So again, you regret the sales because I think I sold it like fifty-eight or fifty-nine that day. You know, when it went from like on the CEO news from 51 to 60 in one day, I was like, I sold the next day. I didn't sell the first day. I sold the next day when it didn't get back through the 60. But then we eventually wow. had to through there. So, wow. I'm, that I'm filled, out of my intel now, but wow. Uh, that filled the gap by uh, 55 cents and now back up. You know who, and we can uh, wrap the show after this. You know who's super bullish intel? Sean Udall. Sean Udall. Yep. He's a value. He's the value guy, though. So he's going to look at this and say, why would it not be uh, bullish until at 11 or 12 times? I uh, just say it's because it's, you know. Well, he thinks that um, there's a big shortage in chips, right? I, I, I like well, the Intel story that's a, still. That's a fact. Right. Yeah. And is it uh, Intel the largest U.S. chip maker, right? Is I correct on that or not? I thought he said that. Maybe. So, and also Biden's been talking about um, – you know, different things to, you know, different programs. So I don't know. I mean, he has his, like his Qualcomm um, goggles on, on this one. Like when, but he's a value guy. Qualcomm was value down there too. And right. uh, okay. eventually value, this is his kind of market. A lot of the value stock names have come back. I mean, this has been, a, you can say, you know, this has been driven by growth, but you look at a lot of those value names and they've come a long ways too. Some of the value names have come back, so sure. it's been just a rotation out of what was, you know, the mega caps and moving into everything else. And value has benefited from that too. I mean, this Intel. I hope it comes back down to forty-five again because I'm going to keep playing this forever. You know, every time it gets down to forty-five, I rebuy it, and it gets up to fifty-five or sixty. I sell. I've done it. I think twice now. I could have did it three, three or four times, really. So I hope it eventually comes back down. I don't know if it's gonna. All right, public service announcement today is uh, the 16th. First of all, happy Mardi Gras. 
to all of you celebrating. Uh, but it's also a holiday on Wall Street. Yes, it is 13F day today. Oh, man. I is expect, that tonight? Uh, it, should, it should be. Oh, it's always a tough night to trade. You're like, what's happening here? And so there's so much, you know, news on individual stocks. This person bought this person. So maybe we're going to get some comments from Warren Buffett on Bitcoin. I don't know. I'm just speculating. I heard he's got a new stock. Is it Bitcoin? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. We will find out tonight. There's rumors he's got a new stock, though. I I expect if not tonight, then tomorrow for sure. I don't know how the holiday factors into things. But, um, yeah, 13Fs, we're going to hear. We're going to find out uh, which stocks. Hedge funds were buying and and selling. Again, this is for the fourth quarter, so very delayed, but still can move stocks, especially if it's Warren Buffett. Um, occasion- occasionally, another fund manager will move stock as well. But yeah. uh, always, so that'll be that'll be tonight. That'll be after hours. So keep an eye on that. I want to thank our guest today, Bill Hart. I haven't said this enough on the show today, but hit that like button, hit subscribe, hit share, post it on Twitter. Or, or MySpace, or wherever you know the, the kids are these days. We appreciate that. The show is also available as a podcast. If you're listening via podcast, please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice. That's going to be it for pre-market prep. Everyone have a great day. Joel, Dennis, thanks very much. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.